Welcome to the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is our second episode. In today's episode, we speak with Sydney Deongzen, who's a filmmaker turned YouTuber who's just full of amazing personality. I really enjoyed my conversation with him. The first thing we talked about was the name of this show, The Golden Hour Podcast. All right, we're here with Sydney Deongzen. Thank you for coming to the Golden Hour Podcast. There's supposed to be a big logo right there, but... I visualize it. Knoll. I see it. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Golden <laughs> Hour. What do you think of that name? Uh, I think it's cool. I mean, we all go for the golden hour. Exactly. It's like the best time, the perfect time, the, the podcast, best time to listen to a podcast. It's so going to be about an hour long. The, you could also take it the other way. Like, golden hour is like the best years of your life when you're like really old. Ooh, going very meta here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, Sydney, you're from – we were just talking about this earlier. Where are you from? Again? So, I was born in Chicago, Chicago. Uh, but moved out to California when I was about one. So pretty much, you know, raised here most of my life, mm-hmm. you know, grew up in a small town, uh, uh, east of L.A. called Corona, uh, but spent a lot of my time uh, in Orange County at the beaches. I went to film school at Chapman University, but uh, and just kind of traveling all throughout California. And so I'm a true blue SoCal boy. And you're a married man as well. I am a married man. I, I married a beautiful English girl. We have two half British, half, well, English is in like, she doesn't Brit- just speak English. Right. She's, she's from, from Britain. England. Yeah. So wow. I got two, two kiddos that are half British, half American and half Filipino. Well, I guess that's thirds. <laughs> I watched one of your videos. You briefly mentioned you lived in England. I did. For a yeah. While. So I moved out to England uh, to be with my wife. Um, and also I'm like, well, why not? You know? Yeah, of course. And so uh, what's funny is that when I moved out there, you know, trying to look for a job, I couldn't find a job because I was American, really? which was really weird to me. And so I'm like, well, I need to make money. Um, so I just do, started shooting weddings. And then, uh, I, yeah, I just shot weddings most, uh, most of my time there. Which... Did that like work to your advantage to be American? To- uh, in a way, yeah. In the way that a British person here is kind of like, oh, they're British. Totally, yeah. Like, you know, it's a... <laughs> but what's cool about, you know, shooting weddings in England is that I had to... Because before then... When I lived in California, you know, I'd built up all my gear, all my lights. I had my little home studio with my yeah. buddies and stuff like that. And so when I moved out to England, I had to learn real fast, like, to have a studio uh, that can fit in my backpack, mm. that I can take anywhere on a train, you know, that I can go do shoots, weddings here, or a commercial project there, that everything I had is in my backpack. So I'm so thankful for my time in England because I'd learned that skill where I just, if I can't fit everything in my backpack, at least the essentials, then, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. I think it's so valuable to go to other countries in general yes. for everybody, totally. Especially Americans, because we live in such a bubble. Totally. Uh, every country is different, and uh, the Western countries like England are similar in some ways, but there's so many things that are different. It's perspective, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like for, for us Americans, especially, you know, growing up in Southern California, hanging around Orange County, yeah, we are in a bubble, in a safe bubble, you know, uh, so, um, so to speak. And, you know, you have certain uh, perspective on things, but when you go to other countries and you see different perspectives and different opinions, it's, it's, it's so inf- influential mm-hmm. and, and it's inspiring in a way. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if people get a chance to travel, even live out of a country for, for a little bit, then definitely do it. I totally agree. So we're going to get this thing started That's off it. with this little segment called One Word Rapid Fire. We've got Rockwell in the back <laughs> okay. with a uh, timer. Uh-oh. I'm just going to ask you, like, a few just quick questions one word answers okay uh, we've got it. 60 seconds let's see if we can get through them at 60 seconds <laughs> if not no worries all right, let's do it. all right ready here we go and canon sony or nikon sony do you prefer doing youtube or commercial work youtube <laughs> gimbal or handheld handheld uh do you prefer production or post-production production do you prefer shooting as a one-man band or working as a team working as a team mac or pc mac ios or android ios 
uh, iPhone 10s or Google Pixel 3. Oh. <laughs> uh, overall, Skip. overall iPhone for pictures Pixel 3. <laughs> Which do you prefer to take, photo or video? Video. Spaghetti with meat sauce or Alfredo? All of it. Oh, nice. We did it. <laughs> How much time do we have left? 25 Whoa, seconds. There you dude, go. Nice. Can we like, you know, have a competition who whoever can finish it the fastest? Like I want to hold that record. Oh yeah, totally. From this point on. Yeah. Hopefully. And if, if someone beats me, I'm gonna come back and yeah. do it again. We'll get Jason Vong in here. Oh, see what oh he here does. we go. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh some of those questions that I asked, um, YouTuber commercial work, you yeah. kinda hesitate for a second. Do you still prefer shooting like say you got hired to do a commercial, yeah. that'd be fun, right? Oh, absolutely. I would absolutely do it. And I think the the great thing about commercial work is that you are creating a concept, you know, you're creating something from nothing and creating it to this you're building something and Typically you know, have a story, a you have a budget. Yes, of course, you have all that stuff. But the, the creative aspect of it, it's like you're working with a team and you're trying mm-hmm. to figure it out together. And when things don't go you know, as according to plan on set, as they do, yeah. you as a team figure it out and you come up with a better product. And yeah. so you know, if I ever get a chance to do commercial work, then yeah, I will always do it. Yeah. YouTube, on the other hand, is great because you can just be you. You can share your thoughts and ideas and you know, you know, your life, really. So on a personal matter youtube you know definitely wins but for a for a creative then man i'll i would go for a commercial yeah dude i can relate to you so much because uh when i started watching some of your videos i really resonated with it because mm. we kind of have a similar personality i don't know if you watched any of our videos but i'm a total like nutcase when i get on camera um i'm really heavily inspired by kai wong i love yeah. kai w <laughs> i also love tim and eric awesome show great yes, job hilarious. i love a lot of that stuff so um i found there's a little bit of a hole in our niche mm-hmm. of like not crazy entertainment value with everything a lot of these guys that we listed they're all amazing and they are entertaining in their own right but like as far as the way that you perform on camera like you're eating a bowl of cereal during the intro or whatever, right? Like, yeah. and that's totally you. And that's what I love about you. What, what do you have to say about that? Oh, thanks. Uh, well, uh, I, you know what? I learned in my very uh, first vlog that I tried to do about two years ago mm-hmm. um, because I did the whole Casey Neistat thing. You know, <laughs> I wanted to be this and try to even edit the same way he did. Yeah. And then when I, when I saw the lack of views um, <laughs> and like the amount of effort that I put into it and it's like, it was just kind of frustrating I'm like, why, why am I doing this? Um, you know, the, the video was good and all that stuff. But then I, it was just so frustrating that I just like, you know what, screw it. I'm not going to do the whole YouTube thing. I'm just going to start making content for myself, things that I love to do. I'm just going to mm-hmm. be me. And funny enough, the next video that I made started going viral. And so what that's, was what, that? that's when it was like, it was my very first firm, uh, film journal with my son. Oh, and wow. So I like filming these little, you know, little micro documentaries mm-hmm. um, with my family. And, uh, and that resonated with people, I guess. And that, when that uh, video started getting a lot of views, it clicked in me. Um, and I was like, wow, I, I just have to be me. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? Like there's only so many, you know, there's a lot of YouTubers out there. There's only one Casey Neistat. There's only one Peter McKinnon yeah. and there's only one you. And yeah. so, you know, people trying to be like those people, it's, it's, it's not, you're only doomed for failure. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, for something like YouTube, the only way to succeed is to be yourself and to create content that you're going to enjoy. Because if you're going to make content that you're not going to enjoy and that you're struggling, then what's the whole point? Exactly. You know what I mean? So ever since then, I'm like, you know what? I like cereal. I'm going to eat cereal in my intros. I'm going to do it. <laughs> be yourself. It's so important. It's the one thing that you don't want to do when you're in high school, but the one thing that makes you unique as a creative. I love the comedy and the energy that Sydney has in his work. 
and I think that it's really special what he's done on his YouTube channel specifically. In my conversation with Sydney, I then asked him about a project that really stood out to him that was most impactful. You know what's crazy is that this whole YouTube thing first clicked back in 2007 mm -hmm. when I, me and my friend made this video uh, for a church we worked at, uh, a video about divorce and, you know, what it does to families and stuff like that. But then we put it on YouTube, you know, not expecting that for it to get many views, but I get this message from, from this guy from Ohio and he goes, hey, thanks for making this video. Because of that, I'm going to make things right with my wife. Wow. That was the very first time that I saw the power of video. Wow. And, and a platform like YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so that resonated with me and where it kind of pushed me to want to do this YouTube channel because like I have experienced a lot of things, but you know, and I love gear and I want to share my passion, you know, uh, about gear on YouTube, but I want to be able to teach people how to tell these stories so yeah. that they in turn can tell better stories than I ever will. Mm -hmm. And if I can make a little video saying, Hey, you know, this is how you rack focus or whatever. And that might click with somebody, mm -hmm. but that person might be the next Spielberg. Then man, that's, that's the legacy that I want to leave. You're equipping them to go do what you did with that video or totally. whatever. Cause so. at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, YouTube's great and all, but it shouldn't be the be all end all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. You know, uh, I, I'm so blessed to have sponsors and all this stuff, whatever. But like, man, like, is, is that it? Is that going to be my life or mm -hmm. am I going to pass it down and keep and, and, and tell those generations to pass that down? Yeah. You know, that's, that's legacy. Totally. Such a Gary Vee yeah. thing to say. I it like. is. It is. <laughs> we both listen to him. So <laughs> I'm a big fan. Um, so uh, YouTube, we're kind of briefly talking about it here and there. You're a YouTuber. Yes. Anybody who doesn't know already. Um, <laughs> tell me about what happened when you decided, okay, you know what? I'm a YouTuber. I'm going to go for it. Be consistent. I'm going to make content. When did that happen for you? Oh, that's a good question. I think, um, I think when, uh, it all started when, um, when we were about to have our firstborn and, you know, just, just kind of seeing how my wife would struggle throughout the day. And I was, you know, working at a full-time job. Um, what was that by the way? I, I worked at a university, uh, Azusa Pacific university out in Glendora nice. or Azusa, California. And, uh, so I worked there and, uh, and I love the job. It's a great, great, great place. And, but to see my wife struggle, you know, through the days, you know, pregnancy and all that stuff, like really got to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I just wanted to help and be there. And, you know, uh, being Filipino, I grew up with a family of nurses and doctors. And so naturally I just wanted to help out. Um, and so I just, and at the same time I was kind of growing YouTube on the side. Uh, and then, you know, thinking maybe one day I can go full time, but that, that was the moment I was like, you know what? I need to do this. Wow. You know, I need to, I need to pursue this full time. Uh, one day so that I can be there with my family. And so if, if she ever struggles or if my kids get sick, whatever, I can stop filming right then and there and be there for them. So I want to be able to have that freedom. And so that, that was the moment for me. Wow. Sydney really wanted to show respect for his full-time job, but it was the creative freedom that attracted him to pursuing YouTube. I then asked him about what it's like to take on all the roles of a traditional film set yourself. Like, what was it for you when you were just the realization of the freedom of YouTube? I mean, it's amazing because you're the producer, the director, the star, the shooter. Yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing. You know, I mean, and when you when you make something, you know, as a production team, you know, you all share the credit, whether you're the director, editor, uh, or even, you know, PA. But, you know, when you're making your video, you get all the credit <laughs> and also all the hate, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. you know, having that said. But, you know, at the same time, like to have that ownership to to say that I get to create this as a living, 
like just just nothing more powerful than that like it's just it's such a <laughs> it's such a, a a freedom that you just feel knowing that you just made something even though it may not be a great video but you did it and you, you put it out there for people to to like or hate or whatever it is but you get to put it out there because the one thing you know and for all filmmakers the one goal that we have is to have our our films distributed right you know yeah. you go to film school after film school you do the whole studio route and you know you climb up the ladder eventually become a pa producer director whatever in hopes that you might get to know some people in their distribution studio so that you can make films and then you know be on your merry way but because of youtube that just you know cut the entire middleman out of it Mm -hmm. and so now everybody who has a phone and internet access can make a video on youtube and and make a career out of it eventually and in what's crazy like you know we have these little devices in our pockets and they're really tiny now you know it it is not only a a full-on production studio but it is a distribution center as well right there in the palm of your hands and that is amazing to me and so you know we don't have any more excuses yeah you know it's like it's right there just make something i totally agree yeah. and um i think the the thing that was holding me back was like well i'm not going to be able to have the budgets that i'm used to having you know ten thousand dollars sure. for a music video or whatever like i don't have ten thousand dollars but once you start scaling back and it's like well how can i get creative with a slider how can i get creative with some cheap lighting to make yeah. that look nicer or just shoot on an a6300 or something. Yeah. I mean, a lot of your big video views are coming from cheaper cameras, mm-hmm. cheaper setups, things like that. What are you seeing that people are gravitating towards that for you on your channel? Yes, totally. And uh, it's funny because when I, when I bought the a6300 and a6500, super tiny cameras, by the way, um, you know, a lot of people could only afford those cameras mm-hmm. because they want a 4k that w- at the time that was the most affordable cam- yeah, under a thousand dollars. It probably still is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think because people bought that, they um, bought those cameras, they kind of resonated with the content that I made and were astonished at at, as to how you know much quality that you can get from that camera by doing you know certain little things you know mm-hmm. by getting a prime lens or by using proper lighting and stuff like that or getting good audio yeah and so um I, I you know upgraded eventually to you know the, to a Sony seven R three and then to a Sony A seven three but still people resonate a lot more with the cheaper cameras which which really fascinates me and I love love that because there's a lot of underdog filmmakers out there yeah and I want to get those cameras so that I can relate with them totally. and show them hey this is how you turn a tiny camera into a full-on production camera Mm -hmm. when i was in high school i learned how to play the guitar and eddie van halen was one of my favorite guitar players of all time the 80s rock god from the band van halen i'm sure you've heard of him but i was really depressed because i had this cheap crappy guitar and it didn't sound right it didn't sound like eddie van halen but then i learned that it's actually not the guitar that matters but the player behind the guitar The same is true with Sydney. It's not the camera that matters, it's the creator behind the lens. What is your process when you get a piece of gear to review it? Um, so, uh, that's a good question. Um, and there's like a ton <laughs> I think of... we all do it different too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy. Cause it's like in my closet, there's a bunch of gear I haven't reviewed yet. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I need to review this. Yeah. Small, uh, <laughs> small rigs. Like where's that review? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I mean what I do a lot of time, actually I start out, if I want to review like a slide or whatever, you know, the first thing I, I almost uh, always do is listen to music, you know, because sometimes I might trigger something, you know, and so 
uh, listen to a lot of music bed, uh, a lot of Soundstripe. And so I just kind of just browse through as I would listen to Spotify. So music that is licensable. Licensable, yes. So yeah, you're... not just copyrighted yeah. you know, music. It's <laughs> Post just... Malone. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would listen to the, the music sites that I personally use to, that, uh, that I can license through through my videos. And, you know, and they have mobile apps as well. And so I can listen to it on, on, my, on my way to work or whatever. And so if a song clicks with me, that might, you know, trigger an idea that might lead to another idea or whatever. And so most, most times I listen to music that'll inspire me to make the video. Yeah. Never heard that one mm-hmm. before. And then do you actually use the thing or are there times where you like, you get the thing that just came out, like you have it the day of. Yeah. You, you open the box and just review it, right? Like, I do that all the time. Oh, you mean like unboxings? Well, like, unbox it, but, like, just read a spec sheet and hold it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you got the a 7 the day it comes out. Yeah. You know that if you yeah. upload that video today, yeah. you'll get more views than if you upload it tomorrow. Right. You're not going to have time to go do a shoot. Right. So... I guess you call that just a first look. Yeah, that'd be more of a first impressions kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like, yeah, I did a first impressions video on the Zine Weeble Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> again, Most entertaining review yet. Ever. I hope so. I nice clickbaity uh, <laughs> ex- title. Exactly. It was great, though. I loved the, oh, thank you. The, uh, the background changing cuts and things. It was great. Oh, thank you. Ray. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, those kind of things is normally a first impressions kind of, and then I think it's fair just to use the product for at least a month, you know, to have a good idea of what it can do. And so typically, yes, you're right. You know, to get the views, you want to be able to do a first impressions, Mm -hmm. which is good because people do want to, what what it looks like, want to see what it looks like out of the box. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, people do want a full, thorough, truthful um, review of the product. But I think that can be done after I've used you know, spend some time with that product. I Yeah, I agree completely. Caleb Pike is the best. He's the most patient reviewer of all time. He's so good. Oh, he's so good. And, and he's so like, sweet. He just released his A7 III review, like, last week. Yeah. And it's because he, like, spent a long time figuring it out. Yeah. And, I like, I have a lot of respect for that because he's not just, like, falling for the clickbait and the, the quick, like, the quick money or the quick hits, you know. I think in a long-term perspective, yeah. that's the correct thing to do. Yeah, is just make work that you're proud of, so that at the end of your life, you're like, that A7 III review was great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not gonna be thinking about the A7 III when I'm dying. Probably yeah. the A710. Yeah, well, he he uh, and Philip Bloom are important. amazing. They they oh, do, Bloom, they yeah. take their time and review review products like properly. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely not that patient. Like I, I want to be yeah. able to open it and try it out. It's like, hey, this is cool. We should try this, 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 this. this. <laughs> yeah. In most cases, that works for me. And yeah. um, but you know, if I if I do like an update video, that you know, we can always make a video about that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I get I get too antsy. I just want to just. This is what it is. Yeah. This is this amazing I have, a, I have a story about Philip Bloom. Uh, back when like he was at his height, uh, I posted a video. I was, I think, 20 years old. 28 now, so it was eight years ago. Um, and he retweeted it, and it got nice. a Vimeo staff pick. Nice. And because of his retweet, it got a staff pick. And because of the staff pick, like I had a lot of opportunities handed to me, and I had no experience in professional anything. It was always just weddings and like random corporate videos. And it was a little mini doc that I made. And it really taught me that like, wow, I can actually call myself a director. Saying all that to lead to the question, did you have any moment in your career where you're like, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a director, and it's okay to say that and not be pretentious about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I learned that uh, in film school. 
Okay, I, yeah, I, I didn't go to film school. <laughs> uh, I'm, and I'm glad you didn't. It's, uh, it's very expensive. Very, very expensive. <laughs> um, I mean, if you can afford it, then by all means. But uh, yeah. what I learned in film school, I mean, you, you go into film school with a lot of people that think they're the best director in the world. And that's kind of hard, you know? <laughs> you kind of go in and you kind of get your pride taken away because it's like, oh, your video wasn't as good as whatever. Um, but I, I learned, you know, in my freshman year that that's okay. You know, yeah. let, you know, fail and fail fast. Mm-hmm. And once you fail fast, you learn faster. And, you know, once you get over yourself, you know, after you stop crying, then you become a better uh, director, a better person, you become stronger. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was until the end of film school, um, I was like, you know what, I did it. I, I worked my butt off and I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a director. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. And I'm nice. going to do what I can to, to make content, you know, and share it with the world however I can. And uh, at the same time, uh, that's when YouTube started, you know, blowing up. So yeah. uh, good timing, I suppose. <laughs> YouTube, YouTube is great because you don't have to be perfect and like i'm used to being a little bit more polished with commercial yeah. work and that's one of the things that i love about it's like you get it out yeah and there's definitely some mistakes in the videos uh because of the just the speed of the editing that you sometimes have to do and it's just like it's out and it's done and that's what i love about it is just okay let's move on to the next one learn from that apply it to the next video yeah and people can forgive it like people like seeing the jump cuts they like seeing all this yeah. stuff it makes it makes your content a little bit more authentic in a way uh, uh at the same time you know when they see something that's really polished it's like whoa yeah. i didn't know you can do that and so yeah that's that's why that's where i love youtube and the community it's like it's like you're it's almost like a little mini film school you kind of get to share your stuff and you yeah. get little critiques here and there and uh, and to, to to surprise them every now and then with some pretty you know uh, cool gems it's uh, it's pretty cool do you have any uh fans that like are always there in the comments that like yeah. say the same thing over and over yeah always the uh first first like notification yeah. squad and like <laughs> oh you guys are awesome yeah. <laughs> so that that i mean that that's always nice you yeah. know what i mean like I, I, no matter how many subscribers i get like i will always you know be grateful for that and you know i do my absolute hardest to comment to every single comment mm-hmm. you know i mean you'll, you'll see in some of my youtube videos you know comments are like 300 and you know whatever like half those comments are mine wow. but, but that's like replying to everybody because yeah. you know their comments matter to me and i want them to know that like i want yeah. them to know like hey thank you so much for watching my video even though yeah. i don't feel it was a good video or even it got like you know a few views thank mm-hmm. you so much for watching it because i'm really 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 grateful that you know my content got to be seen by so mm-hmm. many people i was so impressed with sydney's overall gratitude towards just everything in his life I want to encourage you to think about people in your life that matter, who made a difference, big or small, and show gratitude towards them. For this next segment, we pulled some images from Sydney's Instagram account, and we wanted to hear a story behind that image. The first image is of a young child in Africa wearing sunglasses. So I've got this image here of this little boy. (laughs) Can you tell me about this image? Yeah, so that was at a little um, orphan village in Eldoret. And uh, I w- I wanted to fly a drone, um, and everyone just loved it. Like, oh, oh what is gosh. that? Is that airplane? Airplane? I'm like, oh no no no, this is a drone. And so there are like maybe two hundred kids just kind of surrounding us, and they just thought we were the coolest people in the world. Mm. And he kept looking at my sunglasses, my cheap little sunglasses, and I'm like, here, you can have these. And so to wow. me, you know, even though you know this this orphan kid in a, in a small town in Eldoret in Africa. Um, even though he lives out there, when he put on those sunglasses, he was like any other ordinary kid, you oh, know, wow. in the States or in England or whatever, you know, and it's like, 
you know, there's no, just because you're from another country or in a different situation doesn't make you any less valuable no, than a person, course. you know, in, in a different place. And so, like, he just felt so cool, you know, wearing those sunglasses. <laughs> you let him keep them? Oh, yeah, of course. So, you know? to this day, he still probably is, like, walking around rocking I hope them. so. Yeah. yeah. That's so and, cool. And so, yeah. And so, that was that was really cool. We got to fly the drone. I got to chase kids with the drone. So, that was really fun to see, yeah. like, just, you know, <laughs> hundreds of kids running away. And it was it was cool. Probably one of the best moments of my life, to be honest. Oh, wow. Yeah. It we, was really cool. We pulled a good image then. You did, yeah. Uh, tell me about this image here. It looks like England. Yeah, that was my wedding. wedding. That's your wedding. That's my wedding. I yeah, can't yeah. tell. Yeah, that's me. Can you tell me about your wedding? Totally. So actually, I actually had two weddings. So um, I married an English girl. Oh, I, was, I was nervous. I thought you have two wives. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, is this going live? <laughs> uh, no, so we uh, we got married uh, twice. One legally here in the States. We just... Uh, we did a quick uh, little ceremony at the beach in Dana Point, California. Oh, I'm a, ten miles from or uh, ten minutes from Dana Point. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we just got our friends like, hey, we're getting married today. Can you hop in a car, go to the beach, and yeah. you know, we didn't even get a license. So we just like, you know, let's just if the cops come up, we'll just have a bonfire. Oh my god, <laughs> it was it was Brilliant. the best. It was like it was family a, at all there. Family yeah. was there, yeah, you know, uh, and so and our closest friends were there, and uh, it was like the the coolest spontaneous thing we've ever done. And so that's when we officially got married. And then a few months later, we went out to England to have the traditional English wedding with her family and friends and stuff like that. And so, so that was shot by my good friend, Nick Radford. Uh, it's funny, that wedding actually launched his career. Uh, so he's wow. like traveling all over the world shooting weddings. And so he's doing really well. Does he live in the States? He does. He so lives he flew out. out there for you then? Huh? Yeah, we flew him out. And uh, we've been good friends. And I bet that wedding just looked beautiful on his portfolio. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't get. I mean, foggy London. That's that's pretty it's, amazing. It's so perfect. So yeah. So that so that was our, a picture from our second wedding. I love that you say our that. Second, that wedding. second wedding. <laughs> the next image that we looked at is of a director's chair, something that you would see Steven Spielberg sitting in, taken inside of what looks like a movie set. How about this image here? What's that from? Do you know? Does that oh, okay. So that is uh, from uh, a time when me and my buddy got super amped because, you know, we just bought our first camera. So we started a production company back in, oh, I don't know, 2005. <laughs> but we were so excited that, you know, we ha- we have money now, you know, not from our parents or whatever, but we... Uh... <laughs> hundreds of dollars. <laughs> hundreds of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we buy, of course, our director chair. Yeah. <laughs> the most pretentious thing you can ever buy as a filmmaker. Yeah. But it meant so much to us because, like, oh, we we got to have or director slate. chairs yeah. or a slate, but to sit on it and like it feels this feels nice. And did it have your a, name on it? It did. We had it. Really? it we had it embroidered. That's amazing. <laughs> so for somebody who's just now getting started, and this is a question you get all the time, yeah. I'm sure. But someone who's just getting started, uh, what would you tell them? I mean, every parent that I meet that finds out that I'm a YouTuber usually the first thing they say is my son wants to be a YouTuber. My daughter wants to be a YouTuber. Um, In fact, I saw online, I think there was some sort of survey or something like it's literally the number one profession that high schoolers want now. Wow. Like it's surpassed everything else. It's so trendy. Uh, You know, it's definitely, I feel like we're still in the wild west of it. The big corporations still haven't figured this out yet. Mm -hmm. And so people like us who just have a camera and a computer, like, can make a living now i hope that that continues and that lasts uh and the corporations don't ruin everything but for somebody who's starting out a high school kid who is just like you wants to be a filmmaker what would you tell them like should they go to film school should they buy a camera and just start going Mm -hmm. like what's some advice that you would give somebody starting out 
Um, well, it, before they decide going to a film school, they should consider that YouTube is the best film school in the history of mankind. You can, you can look up anything you want to learn and learn everything, you know, <laughs> on YouTube for free, by yep. the way. I mean, you can pay for courses by all means, but, you know, everything is on the Internet. It's, it's for free. So, so if you I learned learn, uh, After Effects when I was a teenager. There you go. See, if you want to learn how to plumb, you know, do some plumbing, then <laughs> you go to YouTube, right? Yeah, no kidding. It's the best university in the world. And, you know, the second thing is to just start filming. And even though you may not afford a camera at the time, just use your phone. Like, you know, every high schooler has a phone these days. And yeah. so a lot a lot of cameras now have 4K. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't have a phone, that one guy who's listening to this, it's okay. Find one. You'll find one. Yeah, you'll find one. I'm <laughs> sure you'll find one somewhere on the ground. Just, you know, pick it up. It's yours. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, whatever you have in front of you, just start start filming you know and, yeah. and you may not create the best content at first and that's okay and you may you may fail a lot of times maybe in that first year but you're just finding yourself and by the way you're still in high school yeah. and so you know you're not going to probably figure yourself out until you're in your 20s and so just start start with something because uh, as a creator you know you have to trust in your own evolution as a creator and as a person that you'll get better one day yeah but you just got to start and one of the things that you said earlier at the very beginning of our conversation that i want to reiterate is that don't copy other people just for the sake of copying them. You can steal ideas from them, but make it your own. And that's hard to to say for somebody who's brand, brand new, because all they really have reference of is what somebody else yeah. has done. I know that, I mean, I'm sure you were just like me too, but like when I first, first started, when I was like a kid or 14 years old, I would just literally copy Spielberg like with my low VHS yeah, camera and totally. pull like little helicopters on strings and whatever. Right. Like, uh, not real helicopters, of course, the little right, hot wheels, right. but, um, but yeah, like if you can just be yourself, mm -hmm. that's so easy to say now as an adult and not in high yeah. school, all I ever wanted to do when I was in high school was not be myself yeah. and be the cool yeah. kid, which I never was. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Neither was I. <laughs> um, so great advice. Um, well, I do want to say to that because I think a lot of it has to do with two things. One, um, uh, perspective and the other, probably the most important one is, is knowing your, your own identity. You know, a lot of people put their own identities on subscriberships and all this stuff, mm. whatever, when that's like far from it, yeah. like your identity does not, you know, is not based on that at all. And uh, I think I made a video about this. Uh, <laughs> I kept getting comments about, you know, hey, you're such a Peter McKinnon copycat, whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, so I made a video, you know, addressing that issue. And, you know, while Peter is amazing and, uh, and yes, his work has influenced uh, me greatly, um, you know, we're definitely not the same. And I, I, I think it's important to respect creators like Peter and Casey and all that stuff, but also to acknowledge. Uh, and respect yourself and that even though that you may not be a Peter McKinnon on the flip Peter McKinnon will never be you exactly and I think that's the perspective that people should grab on mm -hmm. you know as they're growing on YouTube or want to pursue pursue YouTube you want you want to be able to secure, secure yourself in that identity be rooted in that foundation and that way when you start growing then you know you're not gonna waver to the left or to the right you're gonna just you know keep booming straight straight ahead you yeah. know being true to yourself so and it's a hard thing to do it really is you know what else is hard is consistency and yeah. that is kind of the secret sauce to success on YouTube yeah. and you know this and I know this and it's the one thing that a lot of educators who are teaching other YouTubers yeah. uh, drill yeah. is consistency whether that's one a week two a week three totally. a week one a month mm -hmm. whatever it is how do you stay consistent and like have a life <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to so I mean uh, I mean I, I have a family I got kids so life is very busy uh, and two I try to I have two kids I, I try to organize myself I use an app called Trello and I kind of have ideas. So oh, very cool. There you go. So I use Trello to help organize my ideas and to organize like, you know, different gear reviews or concepts, whatever. 
on a on a calendar and i try to stick to it as best i can <laughs> it never happens but you know i try to post you know one or two times a week i should probably yeah. get better at it you do know. you post on the same day every week i try to uh, i too. really do I don't. you know now that i'm doing live stream you know that that's a very easy way to create content yeah. if i ever need to but you know yeah consistency is very important and that's something that i need to get better at Oftentimes, the only difference between a successful creator and a non-successful creator is the fact that one is doing consistent work and one isn't. You can sit and dream and create ideas all day long and they might be amazing concepts, but if you're not actually executing and creating a body of work, you're going to go nowhere. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you can resonate with what I'm saying, you're not doing anything about the ideas you have in your mind, then I urge you to go out and make it happen. In fact, this very podcast is me executing something that I've never done before. I've never hosted a podcast before. The set that we're using still isn't even completed yet. And the format of the show is probably going to change over time. But we're doing it. And we'll figure out the details as we move forward. My interview with Sydney was actually the very first episode that we've ever recorded. Internally, I was wondering if Sydney was enjoying our conversation. And thankfully, he told me how he was feeling while I was looking over my notes. Just looking through my notes. Here. This is fun, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How is this going? Any notes? <laughs> no, I think this is this is great. I mean, especially that, you know, you're gonna, you guys going to edit it. I mean... I think you're capturing the vibe of the fun conversation, and that's what it's about. You want to be able to capture a conversation. Yeah. And so I think you guys are doing great. Thanks, dude. This is awesome. Yeah. Okay, so this question is – I love this question because I came up with it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> if you could have a collab or if you could hang out with any artist, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, wow, that is such a good question. You can uh, collaborate with them. You can work with them. Uh somebody that inspires you, somebody that's alive today, who, whatever you want. Oh, wow. Um, you can gosh, give me a list too if you want. Bun- okay, yeah, a bunch of people are coming to mind. I, I would absolutely love, love, love to have worked with Alfred Hitchcock. Oh my gosh, yeah. He, <laughs> like in film school, I was just blown away by the stuff that he did. And even though it may not be on par to the stuff we see you know, in movies today, just the techniques that he used at that time just amazed me. And, and, and I'm more in- interested in the reaction of, of people than the actual movie itself. But like just to to read up on the history of how people reacted to his movies like you know, Vertigo and and Birds like just it's just inspiring and it, it just floored me like wow you you created all this suspense you know with yeah. a black and white camera or whatever um, and the, still you just captured people's hearts and attentions. There's so much to learn from composition yeah. of older films if you look at the 20s and 30s 50s all that because they didn't have jibs and steady cams back then and so a lot of the the composition that they were using was so creative and the the movement of actors and going from point a to point b if you have a a slight pan to the left that's perfectly uh choreographed with the actors and there's so much to learn there oh yeah like wes anderson does it like so well oh yeah yeah that's why his movies feel so nostalgic almost because nobody really well that's not true there are other filmmakers yeah. that do it yeah yeah but it just feels like an older film yeah because he's using those techniques yeah is there anybody else that yeah comes to so mind? alfred hitchcock um uh chase jarvis he uh, is an amazing he's still uh, photographer. Alive. he's still alive <laughs> yes chase very if you're listening alive. we love you yeah. uh yes very much alive uh he um he was probably the first youtuber youtuber um to, to make me want to do YouTube, he started making these little how-to videos. Like, hey, mm. this is how I pack. This is how I organize my stuff. I'm going to um, a Nike shoot. Here's how I'm lighting it, lighting it up. And I'm like, this is huge. Here's this, you know, huge photographer giving 
uh, free advice on the internet. I'm like, I, I kind of want to do that too. And so uh, to, to meet him one day and to work with him one day would be an awesome like full circle kind of thing for me. Wow. So I'd love to work with Chase Jarvis. And, um, and then I would, I, would, I would love to work with Peter McKinnon mainly because I have a bone to pick with that guy. <laughs> What's your bone, if you may? Uh, uh, so, so, so I made that video, you know, I'm not Peter McKinnon. Yeah. And so he, he commented back saying, hey, dude, this is hilarious. We should collab. I'm like, yeah, dude, let's do it. Haven't heard back since. And so, <laughs> so Peter, if you're listening, let's collab. Buddy. He will be listening. We're going to have him on. Oh, good. <laughs> good. I hope he responds. And I hope he doesn't beat my little, um, you know, one word uh, competition. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> I have a little bone to pick too. Not a bone to pick, but a funny tidbit. I used to be a uh, magician. I was a full-time oh, okay. illusionist yeah. for about six years. I met him at a magic conference like literally eight years ago, and we really hit it off, and we were buddies on Vimeo oh, Okay, because he was working for Illusionist and Theory 11, which were these huge uh, magic uh, websites, and that's what he was doing before YouTube, by the way. He kind of mentions it every yeah, once yeah. in a while, but he knows that a lot of people don't know what those websites are, but... Um, like we're both magicians that's cool so yeah and we were friends for a while on vimeo just acquaintances sure and then like he started getting really big yeah and i was like hey bro like great work you know awesome like nothing no response but it's because he gets probably a thousand probably comments and he doesn't remember me i'm sure so i'm sure he does oh we'll we'll hit it off (laughs) he's awesome i love the guy yeah he's great and he's done i think he's a great case study for us as youtubers too yeah because like he proved that in 2018, in his case, 2017, you could still go from zero to a million. Yeah. Like it's still possible. Yeah. And not only that, but like he is a niche. Like it's our niche. Yeah. It's not just like Logan and Jake Paul and yeah. Liza Koshi who are just flat out entertaining and like for a younger demographic. He is literally the demographic that we all have. Yeah. So it is possible. I don't know exactly how he pulled it off either because is i guess there actually are like millions of filmmakers and photographers out there which is awesome because now that their youtube has become a platform for every one of those people to share their work and yeah. so uh, peter and maddie and all them like they they kind of just leveled out the playing field for the rest of us yeah. to make it possible and that's that's something that i think we should all be grateful for totally. um and I, it's just amazing that to, to see you know in you know my generation my time like wow like this is the golden age of youtube like anybody can be anybody and do anything on this platform. And so it's, uh, it's people like them, Casey, of course, uh, Gary V and you know, it's even it's, Levi, our friend, Levi, our friend, Levi, it's, it's crushing. Just, it's it. ama- I'm making like really great friends on YouTube. Like, yeah. you know, some of my closest friends are from, <laughs> from YouTube, know. you know? And so like Jason Vong, like he, he's one of my good buddies. And you know, I, uh, <laughs> I have this game. You're going to hang with out with him while you're here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll hang out later to this weekend. Sweet. Um, I had this game. Well, he doesn't know it yet, but the first time we met, um, I wanted to do a YouTube collab with him yeah. and I'm like, uh, Hey dude, you want to go in a helicopter with me? first time he's ever met me and you know he <laughs> did he say he, yes he said yes he goes uh okay i'm afraid of, he told me on the day of, uh, I'm, I'm i'm afraid of heights i'm like oh dude i am so sorry you can back out anytime he's like oh no 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 that's okay yeah <laughs> so now i have this little game to take him to all these little places i want to take yeah. him bungee jumping and skydiving one day he has no idea unless he's listening to this any last words uh to the audience i mean we've kind of gone over a lot of things talking about storytelling talking about starting from scratch yeah. um giving back serving yeah. in, in different fields anything that you'd like to say to to anybody listening to this that inspired uh, yeah, um, that's that's a good question. Uh, in fact, it reminds me of a little story uh, of, of when we moved to Texas. We were, you know, kind of 
shopping for decor and stuff like that. And so we go to the shop um, and, you know, my wife's buying all these things. I'm just kind of walking around like, okay, whatever. But then there's like this pillow hidden in the corner. It was like this dirty little pillow and it said, live a good story. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Then I started walking around the store. But every now and then I'd kept going back to this pillow hidden in the corner and I just kept looking at the words, live a good story. And it, it, it kind of impacted me so much that I had to buy it. It was a just a, only for display. It wasn't for sale. I'm like, I just need, I need to have it for my office. And so I took it home. I put it in my, in my little YouTube home studio. And I just looked at it, you know, for, for like five minutes. And I'm like, man, that is like my life, you know, motto from this point on to live a good story. Mm. And so whether that, you know, means something for, you know, a person to do a lot of nonprofit work or whatever, or to start a business or to go to medical, medical school or whatever it is, whatever you decide to do, do your best to live a good story, you know, and to pass that story on to your kids so that they can pass that on. And, uh, man, like right now I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about mm. it, but yeah, if that's the last thing I can leave, live a good story. Wow. I think we have a show title right there. Hey, there you go. You're hey. welcome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Dude, Sydney Johnson, it was a pleasure meeting you. Likewise. I think we're going to be friends for a while. We will be forever. Yeah. Forever and ever. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Live a good story. What a great message for every single one of us to take away from with our interview with Sydney. We want to thank Sydney Dyongzen again for being on this show. If you want to follow his work, then I encourage you to go check out his YouTube channel if you haven't already. It's just Sydney Dyongzen on YouTube, and we'll link it in the show notes of this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, then make sure to subscribe to it in your iTunes or podcast player. Also, it really helps us out if you rate this podcast and leave a little comment about one of your favorite things about the show. And lastly, if you have a friend who would be interested in this show, then please share this podcast with them. This is really just the beginning of the Golden Hour podcast, and we're really excited about what this show is going to become. Once again, I'm Dave Mays. This is the Polar Pro Golden Hour podcast. See you next time.